Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Paul. Hey, Kim. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm terrific. This is uh, these, these conversations are becoming a lot of fun. I know. We're having we a have good time. a lot of smart people. Yeah, we do. Who do we have with us today? Yeah, so I'm really excited. We have Hobie Frady from our Huntsville office. Okay. He's our GovCon practice leader. And with all that is going on in the federal government, this should be an interesting conversation. Let's, let's dive right in. Welcome, sir. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad you're with us. So I talked about that. There's a lot going on in our federal government, but what are you seeing from an industry perspective right now? So it's been a good couple of years. You know, with the rising budgets, uh, all of our clients are cautiously optimistic. Uh, we've got a re-election coming up in a year and a half, and so that will probably give it a little bit of pause. But overall, the last couple of years, we've seen tremendous growth. That's great. So a lot of activity in the in the market with your clients. Absolutely. A lot of growth for the different companies, from the small companies to the large companies. Everybody seems to be uh, on a positive trend. Uh, the government's starting to release a lot more of the contract awards. Those were backed up for a while, but we're seeing those getting released and money moving. So, And I know that you know government contractors can be very large companies, but there's also quite a few smaller organizations that specialize in government contracting. So how do businesses get started in that? I mean, that's really the, probably the biggest part of the market. If, if I had to guess, it's probably 70% of the government contractors out there okay. are zero to 10 million in revenue. Really? You know, a lot of them start uh, just a engineer or a, uh, someone like that that has a good customer following, uh, decides he or she doesn't want to work for the company they've been working for. Customer says, we'll follow you wherever you want to go. They start their own business, and they're off and running. Uh, you see it also if there's an acquisition of a, you know, a larger company by a, you know, one of the big uh, aerospace and defense companies. They don't want to be involved in a large company. They like the small intimate setting that they were used to and so acquisition happens two or three years later there's five or six new small govcons that pop up so i mean it's a huge part of the market it's actually our fastest growing market but i would imagine going from those larger companies to starting your own i mean you've got a whole host of people in the background doing a lot of things from a compliance and a regulatory standpoint i mean that's got to be a big issue and a big concern for those starting out it is, and it doesn't take them long to figure out that's not their cup of tea. It's not the best use of their time, especially in today's environment. I mean, talent is hard to come by. Um, we see it all the time, and especially talent that knows the industry. Mm. So really, the best thing for the contractor to do is get to know people that know what they're doing, uh, whether it's their accountants, their attorneys, their insurance brokers, whoever. You know, Find the people that know what they're doing in the industry, rely on them. Uh, and you'll be better off in the long run. So you don't have to have that all in-house. You can you can kind of outsource some of that. You do. And that's that's one of the things we provide. You know, you don't need a full-time controller that's an expert in government contracting. If you're a $5 million uh, government contractor, you may need one for 10 hours a week, but you don't need them the other 30. So that's kind of how we step in. We give them a scalable option. Uh, as their business grows, we can scale with them. Once they're ready to take a piece inside, they can do that, and uh, we'll move on to another part of their business. So you mentioned how hard it is to find talent. And so what are you seeing in terms of how companies are attracting and retaining that key top talent? 
you know, it's it's a constant battle, especially you know, I'm sitting in Huntsville, and the war for talent is extreme right now. Uh, we're seeing, obviously, pay increases. Uh, the government's kind of coming off a cycle. They go in cycles. The most recent one was what we call LPTA, Low Price Technically Acceptable. And that was the common theme of how contracts were being awarded. So as long as you were technically capable of performing, lowest price got them. Mm. That led to a lot of contractors bidding low prices, bidding pay cuts for incumbent personnel, that type of thing. We're paying the price now because it's going back toward best value. We're having to pay more to get people. So that's a constant battle that's going on. But, you know, outside of pay, we're seeing increase in fringe benefits, uh, you know, paying more for health insurance, more toward retirement accounts, uh, those types of things. And then key individuals, you're seeing synthetic equity used uh, in a number of places to give them some, you know, a piece of the pie, some ownership in the growth of the company. So how do you stay competitive as a small company? Uh, that's the balance. You know, you've got your, you're having to incur all these additional costs, you know, to attract and retain good people. It means your rates, your costs are going to go up. So you've got to continually watch that balance, look for areas where the customer's not as sensitive to cost, looking for key personnel um, and willing to pay for it, and just pick your battles. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Head on over to warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. You talked a little bit about the bigger guys buying up the smaller ones. I mean, how is there, is there a <clears throat> cyclical um, calendar to that or is there? You know, it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of baby boomers out there that still own government contractors. You know, they started... 15, 20, 30 years ago, just like we talked about, had a customer, went out and started. Been a nice, nice little lifestyle business for them over the years, but here they sit at 60, 65, wondering, okay, what do I do with this now? And so we're seeing a lot of movement there. It's not really the, the big companies coming in buying those. It's more of the small to small. So another similarly situated company that, that owner operators a little bit younger may take a look at that and say, hey, you know, I can take that uh, client relationship and those contracts and I can take them forward. So we're seeing more of the small to small. Uh, the big guys don't really come after those small contractors. There's usually concentration risk. They're on, only in a couple of contracts. There's a client relationship or a customer relationship that resides primarily with the owner. And so they're really just kind of buying the discounted cash flows. So there's not a lot of synergy to p- be picked up or anything like that. You know, Kim, when we were talking to Hanny on Transaction Advisory on one of the other podcasts, he always talked about there was pitfalls that people, when they were trying to exit their, their business. I'm imagining there's probably similar pitfalls uh, specific to GovCon sure. uh, when you're trying to exit the strategy. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of that's just people not thinking about it until it's time to do it. You know, you can look through the, through the years of the, owning the company and look back on ways you could have done things differently or expanded your client deck or your customer deck added some core competencies, that type thing. But by the time you're you're at that point where you really need to, to do something, it's probably a little bit too late. So I, I, we just encourage um, companies as they're, as they're getting started, kind of begin with the end in mind. Uh, know that you are going to have to exit it at some point and start planning toward that, you know, from day one. What are the additional things that if you were the owner of a government contracting business versus just a general business – what are the additional things you need to think about, though, when you enter into a conversation about someone acquiring you? I'd imagine there's a more detailed due diligence process. Yeah, there is. I mean, you're gonna the acquirer's going to look at all your compliance activities and that type of thing. But, I mean, what they're really looking at, a lot of these smalls 
will be subcontractors the whole time through. So they never have a prime contract. Um, that's not uh, that good a reflection on the company from the buyer's point of view. Uh, you're you're relying on that prime that they're dealing with to novate that contract over to you. Uh, sometimes they won't do that. So, you know, I think one of the things I can do is just look for opportunities to prime. <clears throat> that gives them a little bit better experience um, and probably a little bit more value if they're looking at an exit. And I would imagine there's there's got to be some due diligence on your your compliance with regulations, DCAA, whatever that that be the case when you're when you are trying to exit you know if i didn't have the cleanest of bills in the past is that going to affect me going forward have you ever seen something yeah, like that it will it'll definitely apply risk um we're in better shape now the defense contract audit agency was years behind on what's called incurred cost submissions uh back in 2011 i think there were 20 21,000 outstanding that were over a certain period of time old now i think they're down in the hundreds uh, so there's been a big effort for that. That was one of the risks that was hanging out there in acquisitions. You'd have multiple open years of incurred costs, not knowing if there's a liability sitting there or not. Now that that's more uh, present, uh, then that reduces some of that risk. But you're definitely going to look back at historical and see if there's been question costs, that type of thing. A lot of times people will try to make a move to become stronger and have more of a presence in government contracting because they feel like it's more um, predictable and, and maybe quote unquote easier to to get but is that a myth or is that is that true and and what are the things that a company needs to consider if they're trying to get into that arena you know i would say on that it's it's hard to dip your toe in government contracting if you're a commercial company and you're saying hey you know this has a government application or we'd like to play in this space huge market it's hard to kind of just dip your toe like i said uh, you've got to be ready to go in, face all the compliance issues that you're going to face, know that it's going to change the way you run your business to a certain extent. And what about the economy? How much of an impact does the economy have on a government contractor? I mean, it has some impact. Obviously, budget uh, is a huge issue. You know, the good thing about government contracts, most of them are fairly long term, you know, five years or something like that. So if you're locked into the contract, unless there's something significant that happens, you know, you can see your runway out in front of you, but you've got to constantly be looking, not waiting for an opportunity to show up on one of the bid boards, but out in front of that opportunity, you know, what sure. we call the capture. Mm-hmm. You're not waiting for the RFP to drop, but you're working the customer, working relationships, finding teammates, that kind of thing. You know, you should know the the RFPs before they drop. Oh yeah, if, you, if you're if you see it the first time when the RFP drops, you're way late to the game. So the DCAA, you talked a little bit about incurred cost emissions. Is there anything they're focusing on this year, next year, kind of in the foreseeable future? You know, it's it's really kind of been the same thing. You know, they're looking for the standard unallowable costs. We've seen a little bit more on the compensation. There's compensation limits, and they're looking at reasonableness. Uh, of compensation for executives, especially on the smaller side. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've seen a little bit of that, but it's typically the normal thing. You know, we're looking, um, you know, the new lease standards going into effect next year. There's a little bit of uh, question on how that's going to be handled with the new interest component that's showing up in that, which is an unallowable cost. But in a financing lease previous to that, it was an allowable cost Mm -hmm. because it wasn't split out. So we'll see how DCA comes down on that. I'm Pretty sure they'll come down as it's unallowable, but somebody will probably contest is, that. Is there an is there an unallowable cost that most people usually try to push through that always get? Cut? I would 
I would say one of the things that's missed most often, like trade shows, mm-hmm. you know, the cost of trade shows, if you're there just to market your company, is unallowable. Most people catch that, you know, the price of the trade show, you know, shipping the booth there or whatever. What they miss is the cost of the people that are working mm-hmm. the trade show. Makes sense. Because that labor is unallowable as well. That's one of the ones that's frequently missed. So outside of compliance and regulation, what else should a business owner consider before taking the dive into government contracting? Well, one of the things with government contracting is a lot of it's on the service side. Uh, there's really not a huge barrier to entry. Uh, if you've got a customer, you've got uh, technical capability. You know, there's not a lot of going out and buying buildings, machinery, equipment, that kind of thing. So it doesn't cost cost a lot to get into the business. Where I think it scares some people away, you know, you hear about like approved accounting systems and people think they've got to go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a system. You know, when you're a startup contractor, QuickBooks works just fine. You supplement it with some schedules uh, for reporting and indirect rate management and job profitability. And we've got companies that have 100, 150 people and they're still running QuickBooks. You know, everybody says, I have to have a DCA-approved accounting system. It's not the system that's approved. It's the implementation of the system that's approved. So you can use whatever system you want as long as it's designed and set up and operating the way it should be. That's a great point. So here on the wrap, we like to end with wrapping it up in 60 seconds. What's the what's the one thing you, you want the listeners to know based on the GovCon industry today? I mean, I, w- I would just say uh, – it's a great industry to be in. It's a stable industry. We, you know, we have our ups and downs and that kind of thing. But, you know, for the smaller contractor, I would say you know, focus on your business, uh, not just what's happening today, but think five, ten years out on what you want to do, what you want out of the business. Uh, do you have a succession plan? Are you bringing up the next tier of management? Or do you want to just be able to exit one day? Uh, so give that some thought. Don't wait till the last minute because uh, at, th- at that point it's going to decrease the value. Hope you appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here Absolutely. Happy to be here. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.